Hello and welcome. Welcome to All Things Urticaria, your UCARE podcast. My name is Marcus. I'm here at the UCARE, the Urticaria Center of Reference and Excellence in Berlin. And with me today in London, I believe, well, in England anyway, is Arzu. And I'm very happy that you have the time to join us today, Arzu. Hi, how are you? Hi, Marcus. I'm really pleased to join you today. Great to see you again. We met in Berlin, so it's nice to know you're still there. I'm actually based in Oxford, um, but yeah, you got it right. I'm in England. Um, very well today, thank you. Super. No, great to have you. Uh, why? Because you are a patient with chronic spontaneous urticaria, and it is so important for everyone who's listening in, physicians, other patients, uh, all the people who want to learn about urticaria to hear the patient's voice. And I first heard your voice, like you said, at the uh, Global Urticaria Forum in Berlin. It was great to see you. You joined that meeting, um, as did some other patients with urticaria. What did you think of this meeting? It was life-changing. That's no, that's no overstatement. I think that's the time at which I reached out. So I actually got COVID in July for the third time, July 2022. And a week later was when I broke out in hives or urticaria. Um, and there's a whole series of things that happened in the months that followed. But by the time I got to Berlin, well, early December, at that stage, I was having, I think I had been almost six months of daily outbreaks of hives all over my body. We yeah. were on, I was on a cocktail of drugs, maybe four or five different drugs at the same time. But I was in a state with my condition where I had no idea what was going on, why it was happening. Um, I hadn't spoken to any experts. The NHS, my GP at the NHS had referred me to a, a specialist on an urgent referral, which was given to me for April 2023. So mm. that was nine months down the line. So every couple of days I used to type into Google COVID at carrier just to see what's happening out there. Um, I myself work in healthcare research, but from the ethics and policy side. So I work for the UK's largest healthcare research program, Our Future Health. And so I have an interest in healthcare research anyway, but and I was always interested in knowing what is there out there about my condition that I can learn. What who can tell me what's going to happen? How am I going to get rid of these hives? And it so happened on a Sunday evening. I was on Twitter and I just put in my search terms again, and up came one of your tweets on the Global Air Carrier Forum. So I hopped onto your website, and I thought, well, if I can't, if I if I can't get to a specialist in the UK for another six months. Let me go where the specialists are getting together. Um, and it was amazing because I wrote to you guys and very randomly just said, um, I'm a patient. I'm not sure if you have any patients coming. Can I come to your conference in two days? And you waived the registration fee. So it actually made it much cheaper for me to get there. And it was such an important few days. I actually spent my birthday at the conference mm. learning about my condition, um, hearing experts talking about the research, seeing diagrams of what's happening under my skin. There was a real sense, I think, in the months that preceded that conference where I felt quite dismissed that this is just a skin condition. You've got to live with it. It will go away when it does. We can't really tell you much more. We've been through all the different lines of treatment. I remember once asking my GP to 
when I was, I think at this point I had had daily outbreaks all over my body for six weeks and I said I really need to be referred to a specialist and the response I was given was why do you think you need to see a specialist what will the specialist tell you and I said well I've been reading papers on urticaria and there are things in there I don't understand there are treatments that I haven't, I haven't been told about and so hopefully the specialist will be able to tell me something so really just seeing firsthand that there are researchers trying to get to the bottom of this condition, what causes it, how we can treat it. It was an incredible experience. Well, very, very, very happy to hear that. Um, and I think a lot of what you said will resonate with other patients. It's uh, the experience that many patients have. Let's talk a little bit about this. Let's talk about um, what, well, let's start from the end. You said that uh, your GP said, well, why do you want to go to a specialist? Is your feeling that uh, maybe there's a lack of understanding or um, a lack of uh, appreciation of how bad it is to have this disease with physicians? I think there are two things. One is definitely the missed um, knowledge of the lived experience and what that is like every day to wake up with hives. I mean, if I could just talk for a minute on what that experience was like for me. Sure, yeah. Um, it doesn't affect just one part of your life. So when you have urticaria, it will affect your, well, firstly, it affects your 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 entire body, potentially. Um, it affects your sleep. When you go to sleep, mm. it gets much worse. So you wake up and you know, you immediately know what kind of a day it's going to be because whatever was going to happen has happened throughout the night and you wake up and, you know, you know, the first thing you do is examine your whole body and see how many patches have I got today. And on average, I was probably in the 400, 500 patches, right. like yeah. literally every day. So you start your day, you're like, okay, let me see what's happened whilst I've been asleep. You wake up, you're covered in hives. You haven't really slept very well because of the itchiness uh, so the lack of sleep is exacerbating things as well. Socially, you don't really want to go out covered in hives. You don't want to see your friends. Um, I learned that obviously there's a histamine buildup in your body. And I read a lot on the internet about trying to manage your diet. So I cut out all high histamine foods, which I hadn't realized was pretty much everything other than potatoes and some green veg. Um, so it affects your diet. And I know that, you know, my urticaria is autoimmune but certain foods also exacerbate it and make it worse so I couldn't really eat properly for the last year and then I'm a big traveler so I like to travel a lot I go out and about but I remember this time last year I almost developed a fear of traveling so I had a week off in August I was covered in hives but even though I had medication to help me at least um I mean, the medication now is on five different drugs. They weren't really treating anything, but they perhaps perhaps reduced the amount of swelling on the hives. So they almost looked like flat tattoos everywhere rather than yeah. bumps. Uh, but I was still so afraid of just getting on a train and going somewhere in case something happened or in case, you know, this got out of hand even more. So really every part of your life is affected. You don't recognize yourself. You don't feel good. Um there's nothing untouched by urticaria. So I think it's the lived experience that your GPs are missing. And the other aspect of it is that 
I think they dismiss it as a dermatological condition. And one of the things that I learned at the, the Berlin conference where we all met was that this is a systemic condition. It affects so many different parts of your body. It's about things that are happening underneath your skin with your immune system. And what you're seeing is just a result of that. Um, and then I think where GPs lack that specialist knowledge, they go by the guidelines and the guidelines are quite limited. They'd never really, they have rarely updated with the latest research. And so there's a big missing knowledge gap in terms of the actual scientific medical research side of what urticaria is for yeah. GPs. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. And um, even when you proactively went and try to find information and help outside of your um, interaction with your with your doc. It sounds like you were a bit frustrated, you know, going to Google and Twitter again and again and again, trying to find something that would help you. What, what was your experience with that? It was really tough. <clears throat> you know, um, with my GP, I was having to every two weeks I was speaking to a different GP. So you have to relive your entire, you know, sequence of events. This happened and then this happened and then we tried this drug and then we stopped this drug and then we tried this other drug. And um, you're reliving the experience every time you speak to a new healthcare professional. So I think the inconsistency in the experience of having one single GP who can follow you with your condition as it's developing, just the missing aspect of that meant it was so much harder to navigate information and continuity in your care. Um, you know, when you're searching on Google, you don't know what's reliable and what's not reliable. Um, and when you're trying to read these papers, these academic papers that are getting published on urticaria, you will understand, I would understand some of it, but I'm not trained in the biological medical sciences. So there were lots of gaps there. Um, and I think the other real frustration I had was even with the drugs that I was prescribed, when I'd get to the pharmacy, the prescription wouldn't have come through. One or two of the drugs would be missing. The drugs would run out and things hadn't been issued. So I remember like many, many, many days of coming back from the pharmacy and sitting on my sofa and just crying and screaming and swearing at everybody <laughs> that was involved in, in, in my care in some way or another because of what a failure it was for those 10 and a half months. Yeah. The last six months, everything's changed. Well, sorry, the last three to four months, everything has changed yeah. since I got to see a specialist. But yeah, the, the you, you know, you can't underestimate the amount of effort it takes from a patient to just get through the basics. No, and for you to come and meet with us at the Global Urticaria Forum, I mean, how many patients get to do that? No, that's something that uh, is exceptional. Um, before we come to what changed your life and, and how you are now and maybe also thinking together about solutions that should be brought forward. Um, was it uh, not that you looked to find other patients who you could exchange ideas or information with? Was that uh, a way for you to, to go? Are there patient organizations in, in England that one can talk to? I struggled to find networks of people who had the type of condition that I developed. It was 
certainly those kinds of resources are not available through through your healthcare journey with your GP. Um, mm. I tried to look online. I, I couldn't really find any networks mm. where I could go to. Um, recently, I think a few months ago, I put a Twitter thread together on, it was on Long COVID Awareness Day, and mm. I've made a connection between my chronic spontaneous urticaria and the COVID infection that I got. And it was just really describing what the last year has been for me. And I was surprised at how many people wrote back to me directly to share their experience of similar um, outbreaks. And that was the first time I felt this solidarity from patients out there who might have experienced what I've experienced. So it's quite challenging to know how to connect with people with the same condition or with a similar condition. Uh, that's maybe something that we need to make easier, you know, and 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 help with. Um, Arzu, let's let's come to um, what happened. No, you came mm. to Berlin. You um, you you called it life changing, but as good as this conference was, and it was, it is one of my favorite ones. Uh, that probably didn't lead to you um, being able to treat your disease better immediately. What 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 happened next? You're right. It was life-changing for me mentally (laughs) because I understood more about my condition. I had been searching for for, for urticaria specialists online in the months preceding the conference without knowing that I could see them all in one place. So at that conference, I recognized a lot of the specialists, Mm -hmm. particularly those based in the UK. So I went up to them. I didn't immediately say I'm a patient. give me some advice. <laughs> I was a little bit more savvy than that and described to them, you know, what a patient, just use myself as a case study and described a scenario and said, well, what would you do? What would you advise in this particular scenario? And what do you, how do you think someone could get past these challenges? And I just created a bit of distance between my story and um, in how I engaged with the specialists. But I found out then that I really needed to be on this drug, amalizumab, that's what I heard from almost everyone I spoke to at the time once they heard you know what treatments have already been tried um I had an option to come back and go private it's very expensive to go private to see a specialist sooner than April 2023 but I guess I had to just wait I wasn't in a position to to pay for a specialist and get this treatment privately I needed it on the NHS and so I had to wait and so I had like a probably three or four five more months of very difficult times um the the fatigue the mental strain just having to uh, my plans were constantly changing I'd travel somewhere and I'd change my flight and come back earlier because I couldn't cope anymore with the state that my body was in but what that conference did do is it gave me a sense of what I needed and what I needed to do to make sure I got what I needed when I got to that point so I immediately started keeping a photo diary so every day took photos of what was happening to my skin um And when I did finally see the specialist, within five minutes, it was clear, you know, because the doctor came in. Actually, the doctor that came in to see me was a doctor I had spoken to at the conference. Oh, really? Um, So I said, oh, hi, you won't remember me because now I was dressed in a gown at the hospital and wasn't wearing my headscarf. And 
I said, oh, I spoke to you in December mm-hmm. and this is what I look like. And immediately it came back to him and the entire note, tone of the conversation changed. And he started telling me about research trials and extra blood tests. And, you know, he immediately came in and said, show me your pickies. Because obviously, you know, that patients will have been keeping a photo diary. Yeah. Um, but one thing the conference did do for me was it gave me this sense of hope in the research. And I knew that, okay, there are things happening out there. There are trials I could sign up to. But again, it wasn't very easy to come back and look up those opportunities and figure out how to get myself onto a trial where I might get this drug sooner than I would otherwise. Mm. Um, I think it's the empowerment that comes from knowing what's going on inside. and But then also this, I guess, the uncertainty knowing that there's an uncertainty not just amongst the patients but also amongst the specialists about for every patient this is something very unique you can't tell us when this is going to go away so everyone says it's going to go away at some point in your life but we don't know when and I think I'm just just got unlucky that I'm one of those rare cases that has gone on for over a year and I'm not sure how long it's going to go on for from this point on mm-hmm. but you you started omalizumab it um changed your life uh, pretty much yeah. yeah pretty much no no understatement there okay. um okay. the i started the drug it was quite funny i got the drug on eid so um i'm mm-hmm. a practicing muslim and we had the month of ramadan and then eid fell on a friday and my appointment was also on the friday so my <laughs> eid present from the nhs was the was the two shots of amalizumab and within initially they told me that it would exacerbate my symptoms so I might face uh, more of a flare-up and that's what happened for the following two days but since um, the end of April I haven't had a single outbreak of hives it's been like quite it's like magic really Um, I go in monthly have these two jabs and they keep me going for the next four weeks I had my penultimate shot yesterday Mm -hmm. And when I went into the hospital, uh, I met, there was a patient who was there already um, and he was having his jabs at the same time. And, you know, you get talking to patients as you're there. And I said, oh, so, you know, you're, you've also been on this drug. How long has it been? And he said, three years. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, what happens when you come off the drug? And he just said, well, they all come creeping back again. So there's... There's a positive aspect to connecting with patients, but then there's also realizing that whilst this drug is helping us manage our symptoms, we're almost dependent on it. And as soon as you come off it, potentially everything could come back again. So I've got one more dose left Mm -hmm. in September, and then they're going to take me off for two months to see what happens. Well, inshallah, that will be it. But if not, you can go back <laughs> on. No, that's uh, that, that's that's the good thing about omalizumab. Um, it it works again if after you stop it, you start to have uh, the wheels the stage uh, again. Yeah. Yeah. Arzu, thank you so much. I want to play a little game with you um, as we finish up, and that is um, give us some advice. You know, we care. We know we do a lot. Um, but we have limited resources, so we need to prioritize. And from your perspective as a patient, um, give me your opinion on a couple of suggestions or activities that could be done. Well, um, 
10 would be must absolutely do it with the highest priority. Zero is um, has time, maybe not so important. And if we end up with all 10s, that's fine as well. Then we just need to increase the resources we throw at all these activities. Mm -hmm. um, uh, physician education, how important is it that GPs, but maybe also uh, specialists, know more about the disease, understand the disease better? I think that's a 10. Like, <clears throat> it's, it, it, my first line of call is my GP, and if my GP doesn't know yeah. how to advise me or what resources are out there or how to get up to date with the most with the latest information, almost that they're my first lifeline. And in my experience, it was a really poor lifeline. Ooh. So that's at the top of the list. Okay. What about the patient side, patient education? Maybe we'll come also to some specific uh, uh, tools or, or mm. approaches. Um, you looked for information on the internet. You weren't sure what's true, what's not, what's good, what's bad. How important is it for patients to find something good on the internet that they can trust? Are these all going to be 10? <laughs> it was a trick game. <laughs> it's not a trick game. Um, you know, yeah, I'd give it a 10. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd so, give it a 10. I'd give right. it a 10. Let, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about how this could be done. For example, if there were um, a video tutorial, let's say three, four hours, and even if you had to pay a little bit of money for it yeah. to, to, to buy it, would you think that is helpful? Would you think that patients would benefit? Oh, definitely. Okay. I think one of the most difficult things about the last year for me was the lack of information yeah. and not knowing where to go to get reliable information. But also there are so many different types of urticaria and so many different journeys. Mm. And you almost have to filter through a lot of information to figure out by elimination, which journey you're on. And I had diagnosed myself before my GP diagnosed me going through all of that information. And I think that's quite a tough call for a lot of people. Um, I definitely feel very lucky that I have more, I think, just capital to be able to navigate a lot of these um, spaces, but most people wouldn't. And we need to figure out how to get that information to patients rather than them having to go on a very long-winded, complicated journey of figuring out where to even go. All right. Well, in a way, you're giving us confidence that all of the things we're already doing are worth the effort and worth the time and good for patients. And um, yeah, it's awesome motivation to move forward and do more of it. What about what about an app? You took pictures to show to your GP. What if there were an app that allowed you to do the UTCARI activity score uh, and take pictures so that you had like a report put together for you to share with your physician? That would be amazing. It would cause less trauma for me because every time I open my photo album, these pictures of urticaria <laughs> stare at me. Um, I think what would be really nice about the app is pattern recognition, the potential use of AI software and other things that could show you how your urticaria is progressing or whether it might be changing form or, you know, what's the free, how many patches have you got today? I imagine even some video function that could scan your skin that morning and give you a sense of how bad things are. I mean, you already know how bad things are on the scale because you're feeling it, you're living it, but conveying that to others is much more difficult. Yeah. And there might be some tools that could be used to capture that reality better, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we, we have an app. It's called Cruise, C-R-U-S-E, that is widely used. I think more than 5,000 patients are already using it. Uh, and we're working on the AI part that you suggested mm -hmm. um, to make it smarter, make the app smarter yeah. um, and provide better information to patients. There will also be a, a patient information channel on that app. So I think, thank you. Uh, I think we're on the right track. You know, we need more, more UT cardiologists for sure. Um, uh, to bring all these activities to life and, and, and build them. But uh, happy to hear that you find them as important as we do and that uh, you benefited from them and um, find that patients, if we do more, will benefit even more. Yeah, one of, the, one of the things that I think is probably downplayed or not given as much attention is the psychological impact. So mm -hmm. one of the, something I've experienced in the last two to three months, I haven't had any outbreaks but maybe once a week I'll have a dream well it's not really a dream is it it's a nightmare mm. and I've had an outbreak in my sleep I wake up and I realize it was just a dream mm. and actually my skin is clear and it's fine and I'm sure that part of that is just the trauma of having had so many outbreaks for such a sustained period of time that your mind your, your subconscious is still dreaming and imagining this event happening again um and i haven't heard m anything really about psychological support that's available out there for patients who might have developed different fears and worries and states of mind as yeah. a result of this condition yeah it's actually quite common um you described how sad and frustrated you are other people describe they become anxious uh, they have panic disorders and um yeah uh, it is a devastating disease uh, and the good thing and you shared that there are solutions out there there are people who care uh, you care and uh, <laughs> I, I thank you a lot Arzu thank you for taking the time and being uh, being so open and being so helpful in your feedback and also your advice to other patients much appreciated Oh, it's been wonderful talking to you, going down memory lane, some positive, <laughs> some not so positive. But um, yeah, I think just if I had any advice to give to patients, it would be to be persistent and be proactive. And to clinicians is don't be dismissive and don't underestimate the impact of um, what patients are going through when they're living with this condition. There you go. Never give up, which is actually the motto of the UCARE network. Never give up. There is hope out there. And let's build resources to make all this help, all this information available to everyone who needs them. Arzu, thank you very much, folks. This is it. I was uh, with Arzu Ahmed today, and uh, she brought to us the patient's voice. And this was by suggestion of one of you listeners out there. You wanted to hear the patient's voice. So thank you very much to Arzu. Thank you for your suggestion. If you have further suggestions of topics, questions that you want us to highlight in one of the future episodes of All Things Hurt to Carry, by all means, send me an email, put it on our feedback. We will put uh, some resources in the show notes of this episode. If you haven't listened to all the previous episodes yet, do so. There's some very interesting ones and don't miss the next one. Uh, all Things Hurt to Carry for you by the UK Network. Thanks, Arzu. Be well, stay well, and uh, Talk to you soon.